As Beth makes her way up to the lectern to read our scripture this morning, I want to give you a little bit of context. We're in a series for the past couple weeks and for, past, for a few more weeks yet to come, focusing on Peter and his journey with Jesus Christ and the things that he encountered and, and how he took it all in and what he maybe took away from it and what we might take away from those encounters too. So hear these words of another encounter Peter has with Jesus. Six days later, Jesus took with him Peter and James and John and led them up a high mountain apart by themselves. And he was transfigured before them, and his clothes became dazzling white, such as no one on earth could bleach them. And there appeared to them Elijah with Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Then Peter said to Jesus, Rabbi, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He did not know what to say, for they were terrified. Then a cloud overshadowed them, and from the cloud there came a voice. This is my son, the beloved. Listen to him. Suddenly, when they looked around, they saw no one with them anymore, but only Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain, he ordered them to tell no one about what they had seen until after the Son of Man had risen from the dead. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Please join me in an attitude of prayer. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Did you know there was a lunar eclipse this past weekend? Anybody hear about the eclipse? A few of you. We couldn't see it. We were on the wrong side of the earth, but billions of other people on the other side of the world saw this eclipse. And it got me thinking about the moon this week as I prepared for this service. It was 40 years ago, December of 1968, that humans saw for the first time what the earth looks like from space. Because astronauts were up visiting the moon. They were scheduled to take photos just of the moon's surface. As it turns out, they weren't even supposed to take a photo of the Earth, but they looked back at one point and they saw our world set against the expanse of space and they took a photo. We call the photo Earthrise and it's one of the most commonly reproduced images of space, of the Earth from space. And it reminds us that the Earth, when set against the the greater universe is really quite small. It's not as big as we think of it when we're here on this planet walking around. Throughout human history, the moon had been orbiting the Earth. It wasn't anything new, but we were seeing it in a new way. Suddenly, we could envision our planet in a new context. It gave us a new perspective, a new way of seeing our reality. I think something similar happened to Peter when he went up this mountain with Jesus in our scripture reading. We've been following Peter over the past couple of weeks in his journey with Jesus. Peter had watched Jesus heal people. He'd seen Jesus take somebody who was sick for their entire lifetime and give them back their ability to see or to walk or to do these other basic things. Peter had seen Jesus walk on water. We're going to talk about that later in our series. Peter had seen Jesus uh, feeding people. 
He said outright to Jesus, you are the Christ, meaning you are the Messiah, you're the anointed one, you're the chosen one who we've been waiting for. And yet on this mountaintop, Peter sees Jesus yet again in a new light, a new way, a new perspective, different from how he'd seen him before. So I want to read to you the story again. This is from the message uh, from Eugene Peterson. It's a different translation, same words, different perspective. Jesus took Peter, James, and John and led them up on a high mountain. His appearance changed from the inside out right before their eyes. His clothes shimmered, glistening white, whiter than any bleach could make them. Elijah, along with Moses, came into view in deep conversation with Jesus. Jesus interrupted, Rabbi, this is a great moment. Let's build three monuments here. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. He blurted this out without thinking, stunned as they all were by what they were seeing. And just then a light radiant cloud enveloped them and from deep within the cloud a voice, this is my son, marked by my love, listen to him. The next moment the disciples were looking around, rubbing their eyes, seeing nothing but Jesus, only Jesus. Coming down the mountain, Jesus swore them to secrecy, don't tell a soul what you saw. After the Son of Man rises from the dead, then you're free to talk. It's sort of like people seeing that photo of the earth from outer space for the first time. Nothing had really changed. It was the same reality, but things looked a little bit different when you had a change in perspective. Jesus had always been the Son of God. There was nothing different about that. God had proclaimed from the heavens during Jesus' baptism that Jesus was beloved. You had the same booming voice coming from above saying, this is my son, my beloved. So that wasn't different either. But Jesus seems transformed to Peter and the others because they'd never really seen him for who he truly is. The son of God. The one who talks with Elijah and Moses and outshines them both. Not long before Jesus takes Peter and the others up the mountain... Jesus had tried to tell Peter that as the Son of God, he was going to have to suffer and die and then be raised from the dead. And Peter gets very upset about this. And again, he offers a correction, an interruption. He says, Jesus, you don't want to have to go through that. You're not telling us really what's going to happen, are you? And Jesus immediately snaps at him, get behind me. Get out of here. You don't get it. You don't understand Peter was the one who needed the correction, not Jesus. And so Peter, along with James and John, these were some of Jesus' closest disciples. They had been brought along on all these different adventures. They'd seen all these different miracles. When there's a child who had died, who Jesus brings back to life, Peter was there with James and John to see this miracle. Toward the end of his life, when Jesus goes to pray and he knows that he's about to die, he brings with him... Peter and James and John. When Jesus is on the Sea of Galilee and he tells the disciples, toss your nets onto the other side to catch some serious fish, the ones he's talking to are Peter, James, and John. So these three, they've been through a lot with Jesus, but it's clear that Peter doesn't really understand the big picture. He can't quite grasp it. Peter, despite being around Jesus for most of his public ministry, couldn't See beneath the surface. Which brings us back to this mountaintop where Jesus is what we call transfigured. 
which is a fancy way of saying his appearance was transformed. He looked different. They had a change in the way that they saw him. Jesus chooses to reveal a little bit of who he really is, fully human, but also fully divine. Jesus' nature is not changed, but God has drawn to the surface what was there the whole time and revealed something new to these three faithful disciples. And that's what God does to us. God reveals these things that were true the whole time that we couldn't quite see or grasp. God reveals things in ourselves and in others that we wouldn't have guessed were within us. Where we see only fear, God reveals bravery. Where we don't think we have the strength to go on, God shows us that we have the strength to take the next step. Where we see only death, God sees life. And where we see dead ends, God sees possibility. Over and over again, God sees gifts in us that we may not be able to see in ourselves. It's always been true, but God opens our eyes to see those things that were in front of us. It's really all about perspective and having the eyes to see. It's no coincidence that Jesus' godly nature is revealed in this powerful way on a mountaintop. The first reason is it's very symbolic. Throughout scripture, mountains are used in key moments of revelation. Moses goes up to the mountain to bring down the tablets, the Ten Commandments. David goes to the mountain to hide when he's pursued by by enemies. Mountains, they're timeless, they're powerful. If you read the Psalms, there's lots of images of mountains. So that's one reason a mountain might be used. But secondly, on just a practical level, going up on a mountain takes you away from all the regular stuff that you might be dealing with. And Peter, he needed to get away from some of those distractions that he had around him, even those good distractions of, hey, miracles, so that Peter could see that bigger picture. Peter had been with Jesus. He'd seen healings. He'd seen feedings. He'd seen uh, teaching, preaching, praying. He'd walked with Jesus. He would have been able to articulate to us all these details of his life with his teacher. But he couldn't see that bigger picture of Jesus, the Son of God, God incarnate, walking with him. He was too focused on what was happening each day to grasp the glory of walking with the Son of God to put these pieces together to form a bigger picture. And it's a temptation for most of us, if we're being honest. We get very focused on details. Our day is constructed around details, and it makes sense. There's a certain time that your alarm goes off in the morning. There's a certain time that you have to be in your car with your coffee ready to go if you want to get to work on time. There's a certain time where you have to pick up kids or go to visit somebody or make an appointment. That makes sense. We have to honor these details. But we might make the mistake of assuming that this schedule that we have to keep, these details that rule our lives, are the most important thing, and in fact more important than other priorities in our lives. We might make the mistake of believing that our individual experience or existence is the most important thing, the only thing that matters, that life revolves around me and my expectations, We know in our hearts that's not the way it is, but man, it's an easy temptation to fall prey to. It's easy for us to get seduced into this idea that the earth 
revolves around us, that our details, that our schedules are incredibly important. What we choose to put in our homes or what car we drive, what clothes we own, what job we have, the people we know, the power that we have or we don't have, these are all sort of pieces of the puzzle and they matter, but they're not the most important thing. And we know that that's not what life is about. We know that life is more than the sum of its parts, but it's easy to get distracted. It's easy to forget about those things that matter most to us. And that's why we need photos like Earthrise to set our planet in perspective, this tiny little thing against the whole entire universe. That's why Jesus takes Peter up the mountain to get him away from all of his daily life to say, there's something big going on here. That's why we gather each week in worship, hopefully to set a reset button and remind ourselves that life is precious. Life is short. Sometimes the details that seem so urgent to us at the time are not as important as we make them out to be. It's good to be reminded of the bigger picture. Peter knew Jesus as his teacher, his healer, his friend, one who knew the law and the prophets. But Peter might have fallen into the mistaken assumption that it was enough for him, Peter, to follow Jesus. Peter might have been thinking that his journey with Jesus was just about him and Jesus, kind of a me and Jesus kind of thing. And there's nothing wrong with that, but it's not the whole picture. And Peter has seen those other pieces of the puzzle. In Mark 6, Jesus sent his 12 disciples out in pairs to preach and teach and cast out demons and heal in his name in other surrounding towns. He's training them to be leaders in the church that he hopes will outlast him. He's training people to carry on his legacy because Jesus wanted to reach more people with his message of hope and love and healing than any single person could reach on their own. Christianity at its core has never been just about me and Jesus. It's about us and Jesus, the world and Jesus. We all know John 3:16, God so loved the world. So to be a Christian is to follow Jesus, and then by following Jesus to affect everybody that we meet by our love and our hope and hopefully the grace that is so overwhelming in our lives that we can't not affect those people that we meet because we've been touched by Jesus Christ. Everyone needs and deserves to be loved in the way that God loves us. Our world is aching for that kind of love. And we're sent out to be emissaries, to be agents of that kind of love. And so this transfiguration moment when Peter and James and John, they're on the mountain with Jesus, it's a reminder for them that this is a huge, exciting mission to be a part of. This is something big. This is the big picture, folks. So the details are important, but sometimes we need to be reminded of that bigger vision that God has for our world. This is a shift in their perspective. God's kingdom is like a mustard seed. It appears small, but it's poised for growth. God's kingdom is like a field that's planted and we don't really understand what's going on, but suddenly it's growing with plants and it's ready for harvest and it's an exciting thing to witness. God's kingdom is like yeast that raises up everything it comes into contact with. It changes things. God's kingdom is like that. 
When we know Jesus, we are changed. And because we are changed, the world around us should be changed a little bit too, for good. Every once in a while, we need a shift in our perspective. We need something that calls us back, that reminds us of those things that are the most important to us. For example, we are loved by God. We are enough exactly the way we are. And yet we're also called and challenged to be transformed by God's love and grace to become more than we could possibly be on our own. And once we've received all that love and all that grace, we're called to go out into the world and be agents of that love to others so that they may be changed for the good by what we've encountered and felt. It all comes back to those things. Love of God and love of one another. And sometimes all it takes is climbing a tree or climbing a mountain to get a different perspective, to see things a little bit differently, to be reminded of those central characteristics that we hope to have live in our lives. Maybe it's taking a walk like Pastor Rick recommended last week. Maybe it's taking a trip to a new place for the first time. Maybe it's taking an hour out of your daily schedule to just step back and think about your life as a whole. Maybe it's just a matter of taking a few deep breaths in and out to reset yourself and your perspective. Maybe your shift in perspective has come from being here for a baptism and seeing Reed receive the waters of baptism and taking those vows to help him be raised in the Christian faith. Maybe that's your moment. Even Peter needed to be taken up to a mountain peak so he could have that moment of refocusing his perspective, seeing yet again who Jesus is, the Son of God. The world is so much bigger than what we can dream. Life has so much more to offer than what we can comprehend. God sees so much more in us and those around us than we can ever begin to imagine. There's so much potential and possibility if we have the eyes to see it. So may we this week take a moment to step back from whatever our current reality or current circumstances are. May we look for God wherever we find ourselves. May we ask Christ to open our eyes to see those things that have been hidden from us or those things that maybe we haven't had the time to look for. And once we can see clearly, may God send us out to make a positive impact in this world in the name of Jesus Christ. May it be so. Amen.